0: Well, we're going to continue looking at the impossible task that sometimes God gives us. Sometimes we find in the role that we serve in the kingdom of God. And God may have given you some kind of impossible task or some kind of a role that you see as very difficult, very tough. But he's also giving you a way to, to overcome it, a way to accomplish it. So today we're going to take a look at how fasting helps in that. We don't always look at the topic of fasting that we have in the in the past. We're going to take a look at that here today. Just to review a little bit over in Mark chapter 9, verse 28, we were looking last week at the disciples, they had come down to cast the demon out of the boy, the the mute spirit that was in him, and we saw that they had probably gone at it like they had done others before, and the spirit would leave them, but this one didn't seem to be having that go on. This one seemed to be different. And for some reason, it, it threw them at the beginning. Something happened. Either the demon was more vocal. They hadn't seen this kind of a show before with the thrashing about. and So whatever it was, they saw this as a task that was harder than the ones before. And it created a doubt in them or ignited a doubt in them that they didn't even realize was there. And so they pulled Jesus aside and they said to Jesus, Verse 28, when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Because they had gone to cast it out. They had done it like they had other times and they did expect it to go. So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And of course, people have come up with the idea that there are prayer and fasting demons. But we know that Jesus was not praying and fasting before this. And he did not expect his disciples to be praying and fasting, but he did expect them to cast this demon out. In verse 19 of Matthew, the 17th chapter, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. So there we have the reason. Before he said, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say that this mountain move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And so he's telling them that this kind of unbelief that is on the inside of us does not come out by except by prayer and fasting. So we want to take a look at this today. How does prayer and fasting affect our doubts? How does it make me more capable to take on what is impossible? Because if I just pray and fast, or if I just fast, I may not get the benefit of it if I don't know how it works. If I don't know what goes goes on with this. Now, you can grow without fasting. You can grow spiritually without fasting. You can get to heaven without fasting. You do not need to fast to get to heaven. You do not need to fast to grow. But you do need to fast, apparently, to get rid of some types of unbelief that are on the inside of you. That's something that you do need. That's according to Jesus. Put this in your outline for you. Fasting is needed to get out some pitfalls that will hold us back. There are some pitfalls that are out there that will hold you back spiritually. You may not even be aware of all of them. But if you will get into fasting, you will become aware of them and can remove them. Now, on Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to 24, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, when he says here in the verse 23, and does not doubt in his heart. That word there for doubt is passive it means it's 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 a doubt it's not an active doubt it's not something that i'm actively doing this passive doubt is actually working upon me i may not even realize that it's there and that's why the disciples didn't know that it was going on they weren't actively doubting but we can get into this area where it's passive where it's it's, it's kind of happening to us it's kind of happening upon us Now, with that, turn over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Let's take a look at some of the teaching that we have on fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret... Will reward you openly do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay for yourself but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also now he says the first group here was is, is a hypocrite. He says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. You see, there's a reward associated with fasting. There's a reward from the father for associated with fasting. So in order to get that reward, you have to fast. (laughs) If you don't fast, you can't get the reward that comes with fasting. He says, they'll have the reward if they come in with a sad countenance. They disfigure their faces. So people look at them. Oh, they must be fasting. Look at them. They got their reward. That's what they went after. But in verse 17, he says, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, get rid of any kind of appearance that you might be, that you might be fasting so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to, to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, sometimes we get the idea from this, that if I fast and people become aware of it, I've lost my reward. But that's not what he's teaching. What he's teaching is don't have the appearance of it. You see, if I come in and I fast and I have the appearance that I'm fasting, I am trying to get a reward from people. I want people to see I'm fasting. Look at me. I'm fasting. That's the reward I'm going after. But if I wash my face, as he says, or, you know, get rid of the appearance, I'm not appearing to be fasting. But if people find out, that's fine. He's not saying nobody can find out about it. He says if you do it for the purpose of people finding out and looking at you a certain way, then you've got your reward. That's what you went after. He just says, don't go after that. Go after it with the with the father. If anybody finds out about it, it's fine. It's no big deal. You don't gotta be some secret, super secret thing. Sometimes people think, well, I'm fasting. So I uh, uh if people say, well, hey, we're gonna go out to eat. Well, uh, uh I don't want to tell them I'm fasting, you know, I'll lose my reward and, and we have this going on. And, um, and so we either have to, well, I'll go along and maybe just have a little bit to eat. And, uh, I just don't want to tell people that I'm fasting or I'll just tell people, well, I'm, I'm not feeling all that well or, you know, we'll, we we'll lie about, it. no, don't go lying. Don't go making up stories. If you are in a situation and that's what you have to do is well, I'm not going to eat right now. i uh, I'm on, I'm fasting. Just tell them. It's fine. It's, you're not gonna lose any reward. You didn't go in there looking for that reward. That's, uh, that's not what you did. But he's talking about these hypocrites. They appear to be doing something spiritual, but actually they're doing something very fleshly. They they just want the reward for it. That's, that's all they want. They don't, they don't care about that. It's just, you know, like if, if, if Max were to go home today, I'm not sowing any seeds for anything here. (laughs) If Max were to go home today, and he would see in the kitchen that uh some things were messed up. Maybe the garbage needed to be taken out, maybe some stuff on the counter needed to be put away. And he says, you know what, I'm just going to do this for mom, just to help her out. And he goes over there and he grabs the trash out of the trash can and he, he bags it all up and he puts it in the, in the trash and then goes off. Now, mom is probably gonna eventually figure out that he did that. But if, if he does it for the purpose and he says, uh, mom, look what I'm doing. <laughs> well, that's the reward he got. But if he just did this to do it, because, you know, I love mom and just want to help her out. And, um, I just, I just take the trash out and clean this counter off and so forth. And they come on down and, and mom says, Max, did you just take the trash out? And I don't want, I don't want to lose my reward. So I'm, I'm going to tell her no. <laughs> well, see, that's not, that's not the way you have to go about it. It does not matter if people find out that you're fasting. What matters is what was your purpose in doing it. If your purpose in doing it was for the spiritual reward and for the effects that it has spiritually, it doesn't matter because you're not going to do anything to try and put that in front of people. But sometimes we come out with that understanding that people think that well if I um, if I let anybody find out about this I'll lose my reward. Whatever whatever that reward might be we don't want to lose Any kind of reward that we're going to get, right? But he says, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, whether that's openly down here or openly in heaven, I don't know. But whatever it is that he's going to do, he's going to do openly. You don't have to, you don't have to fret about it. God's got it all taken care of. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. If I'm going after the approval of men or get people to look at me, I'm fasting then whatever approval I have for them is going to be down here on this earth and it will fade away. It will go away. It will decay. But if it's a reward that my Father has for me up in heaven, verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So no one can get in there and steal it. You've got that reward locked away. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if I'm doing things to get noticed down here, instead of noticed up there, my treasure is going to be down here. This is where my heart's going to be. But he's saying, no, you got to make that switch. Now the world, they want their treasures down here because that's all they know. And so they're doing things for recognition. They do things to, to for people to see them. If you're at work, sometimes people will try and steal an idea of yours and pass it off as their own because that's that's the reward down here they don't see that there's any future re, uh, ramifications for that so they'll do that because the more reward i can get down here the better it is for me because that's all they can see but we know that we have a reward in heaven and so we want to do the things that promote that reward in heaven over the reward that's down here so there is a reward associated with fasting if there's if it's out there you may as well get it right i mean it's there if God put it there, he obviously wants you to receive it. He wants people to receive it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put it out. He's got a reward. So if your aim is to gain a reward with men, you lose your reward in heaven, if that's your aim. Now, if you get rewarded, uh, if, if people see you down here, it doesn't mean you lose your reward. That's if, if that's your aim. As we said, this passage does not deal with the concealing of your fasting, but its purpose not the concealing of your fasting, but it's pur- the purpose of your fasting is between you and God. So do you desire t- the treasure here among men? Or do you desire the treasure in heaven? Sometimes people will do things, this is why he's calling them hip- hypocrites, sometimes people will do things and it appears to be spiritual. But it's very carnal. These hypocrites, these people that were doing something spiritual, but for a carnal reason, he calls them hypocrites. Because you're trying, you're doing something to say, this is what I want to gain. But really, what you want is over here. You're going after something fleshly, something carnal, but pretending to be going after something spiritual. Don't be doing that. Now, if Satan can't keep you from fasting, what he's going to try and do is to alter your purpose. So he he prefer, the enemy would prefer that you not fast. Because if fasting will have a positive effect on you spiritually, surely he does not want that to go on. If just one of the things, this removes doubt. If it can extract doubt out of your life, he doesn't want that. He wants that doubt to be in there. He wants to keep that going. It's going to keep you from doing things against his kingdom. So if he cannot keep you from fasting, then he's going to try and pervert the purpose of it. Because if he can pervert the purpose then the rewards won't come in. I won't get the extraction of those bad things that the Word of God talks about. Now, we're going to take a look at a verse of Scripture here. We don't go into the Scripture a whole lot. It is a very difficult Scripture to understand. Let's go ahead and read it. If you've been here a while, and it has been a while since we've gone over this, this will be old stuff for you. But it's good to renew yourself on this. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Now that was John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So obviously somehow they knew that John's were fasting and the Pharisees were fasting. Now, the Pharisees fasting was probably, there's a show going on, so you can just watch. Those guys are fasting. See, they're, they got their fasting face on, <laughs> whatever it might be. But John's disciples, I don't know that they would do the same thing. I, I would tend to doubt it. I don't think John would have that going on. I think John would have them following it in a, in a right purpose. But um, maybe they're just referring to them in general. But whatever it is, they know that John's disciples fast, they know the Pharisees fast, but they know that Jesus' disciples do not fast. They know that Jesus' disciples do not fast. They're not asking Jesus, do your disciples fast? They're not asking that. Why did the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So somehow they came into this knowledge. Either they went up to the disciples and say, hey, John's disciples are fasting. You want to join in? We don't fast. We brought that topic up with Jesus and he said, no. No. Because the bridegroom is with them and Jesus says, while well, the bridegroom is with them, they're, they're not gonna fast. So, uh, we're not fasting. So that word spread out and people found out Jesus' disciples don't fast. How is it that Jesus' disciples don't fast, but all these other ones do? Are we supposed to fast? Or are we not supposed to fast? Jesus' example is not fasting. So it seems, it's a, it's a logical question. It's not a question born of unbelief. It's a question born of, uh, what's going on? We're not sure. And Jesus said to them, He doesn't rebuke them for this question. Doesn't see any kind of a trap from this question. He says, "Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with is with them? As long as they have a bridegroom with them, they cannot fast." So, in other words, if you're going to a wedding, then uh, you go to the reception. Don't be saying, "I'm sorry, I can't participate in the eating of the of the uh, wedding cake or the wedding meal. I'm fasting." Don't be doing that. You're in the presence of the bridegroom. Even though it's an earthly one, uh, it's, it's a time for, for for doing good things. So th- don't be doing that. Don't be showing up at some kind of a you know festive, festive thing and you're just not going to do stuff. Put your fast day on another day. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in those days. Now, if I was those guys, I would say, well, explain this bridegroom situation. But either they did ask that and didn't make it into the word or they didn't ask it. I'm not sure which it is. And then he comes up with this answer. And maybe they didn't go any further because they didn't understand this. But they're talking about fasting. Remember that? The answer is that the question was, why do your disciples not fast? And these other ones do. And he goes into verse 21. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts. And the wineskins, the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now you just read that, that answer. It seems out of left field. Why in the world are we talking about cloth? And why are we talking about wineskins when Jesus is talking about fasting? And I think a lot of times we, we look at that and say, well, I don't understand that, so I don't understand fasting, and we just put the whole thing out of the way. But if Jesus answered it, there must be a reason for it. And again, fasting, what Jesus had told him was, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So the fasting is somehow to work on the unbelief that was the cause of them not being able to cast this demon spirit out. So, let's take a look at this. Now let's answer, answer this question first. Did Jesus fast? Well, if we go over to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. So does Jesus fast? He sure did. This is before he had the disciples. This is before he picked the disciples. This was before he started his ministry. So we know that he fasted here. Now he fasted for 40 days and then became hungry. There's uh, several accounts where people fasted for 40 days and it was all supernatural. Moses fasted for 40 days up on the mountain in the presence of God. Jesus did it in the wilderness with the, the Spirit of God present with him, and there's some kind of supernatural thing going on with him there. That it says afterwards he he hungered, and then we have Elijah. Elijah, the, uh, let's let's uh, go over to that one, and uh, just take a look at that in 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, "Arise and eat." Then he looked. And there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went on the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. So there's some kind of a special deal in that food. It would seem that propelled him on for 40 days on a a journey, on a long journey. And it doesn't say he took any water with him. So it would seem that the water that he took lasted him for that 40 days too. That's not normal. That's supernatural. Don't feel that the, in order for you to hit what Jesus is talking about with fasting, you have to be able to fast 40 days. That's not what he's talking about at all. Every time that happened in the Word of God, it was someone who was in the presence of God. Something supernatural happened. Elijah got food. These are the things that would, would go on. But you can get the results of fasting by going a lot less than that. So Jesus did fast, but apparently he didn't fast while the disciples were here. Now I put this in your outline for you, that this would tell me that I do not have to live a life of a continual battle with my flesh in order to bring it under. I don't have to keep fighting the flesh. I will have victory over it, that victory doesn't mean that once you defeated it, it's never going to bother you again. You have to maintain that victory. But you can walk in a victory over this thing. So let's take a look here at verse 21. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else a new piece pulls, pulls away from the old and the terror is made worse. Now when this is being written, they don't have synthetic fabrics. They don't have any kind of polyester. any kind of uh, All they have is uh, things that are natural. Probably mostly wool there 's also some other things that they would make a cloth out of i don 't know how much cotton was uh, was prevalent in those those times in that area, but you know these are natural f- fibers, and so they 're going to have uh, natural fibers for for what they 're doing and You know that if you have uh, you just take uh, yourself a uh, uh, jean material, you take some blue jeans, and if you have uh, washed them a couple of times, what happens to the blue jeans? <coughs> Well, they shrink. So if you're going to take a patch and patch up a hole that are in the blue jeans, you can not take a brand new patch of denim material and sew it over top of the blue jeans. Because what happens when you wash it? Well, the, the new patch is going to shrink. And as it shrinks, it's going to pull away from the fabric that has already shrunk. And it's going to make the tear even worse. Now you've got to get a bigger patch to cover up where that other one was. Or else you just throw it away. Whatever that you, you end up doing. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Now this one is not as, it's not something we can relate to as much. Because if, um, if, if you have wine in your house, it's not in a wineskin. I would say that um, most people that are listening here, if they have wine at home, there is no wineskin that it's in. It's in a bottle. It's in a glass bottle, and you have a cork on the top, and that's where the, the wine sits. If you have uh, this, the cheap cooking wine, they don't put a cork in that. They just put a little screw thing on top of it, and you take the screw thing off. And, you know, I know that because I've worked with cooking wine before. And um, a couple of things I love making with it. can't stand wine itself, and um, it just that the smell of it is terrible. So when I'm even pouring the cooking wine, I have to hold my breath because I can't stand the smell of it. But it leaves a nice taste afterwards in a, a, a sauce or something like that. But well, what would happen is, you would take new wine, and you would pour it into new wine skins, and over time, that wine would age. As it is aging, the wine's skin is aging. And so they're both aging in the same, same area. Now, if you were to take that wine's skin, and you were to pour new wine in it after you finished up all the old wine, well, the new wine has not worked with the material, so it still has all its aggressive properties of being a new wine. And so if you pour it in there, it will eventually cause that uh, that, that old wine skin to burst, and all the wine's going to get poured out. It won't be very good. So what happens here is that he's trying to teach us the difference of natures. When you got born again, the Spirit of God was poured in the inside of you. When the Spirit of God is poured on the inside of you, the nature of you being the wine skin is going to be changed by the new wine that is poured inside. That new wine comes in and it's it's there to alter the nature that you have. If you have a, the same thing with the material, you, you have to make sure that the material that you patch uh, uh, your, your, jean material, your jean pants with is, has been washed, has been shrunk, has been the nature of it has been changed. What he's saying here is that fasting helps you change your nature so that your nature matches what's being put on you or what's being put in you. Because the nature of the Holy Spirit, he's not going to change. The one that has to change is me. So he gave them a couple of examples of natures that change. That we need to change our nature. We have a flesh nature when we got born again. There was how many on can think back to the days you got born again? And know there was a lot of things on you that you carried about that hopefully have, have fallen away. Unsaved people have a different language about them. They use cuss words, they take the name of the Lord, they they use um, mixed cuss words in the name of God. And they, they do all sorts of stuff that uh, you wouldn't say out of your mouth. Beside that, they also say some very hateful things. And the nature of God should come in and change you so that you don't say those same hateful things, those same distrusting things. It ought to alter you. So that's, that's one of the things that we do. Some of our habits that we had when we were unsaved. Well, hopefully we've we can, we can change some of those. You know, smoking doesn't send you to hell. People who smoke can go to heaven. But when you get a new nature on in the inside of you, there's going to have some habits that you're going to want to get rid of. You know what? I don't need that habit anymore. I want to get rid of that habit. And the nature of God begins to work on you, and one by one, He begins to point out different habits. You got that habit there? Let's work, let's work on getting rid of that. Because that's a, that's, that's causing your nature, your wineskin to be a different Different trait than the wine I'm pouring in on you. And the conflict of natures. This isn't good. This isn't, this isn't helpful. We want to get the nature of God, the Spirit of God to be the same as what's, what you have. Get that victory that goes on. So this is what fasting is supposed to do and how fasting is supposed to affect us. There's a point that we have in, in walking in the Spirit. Through fasting and other other things where we have a victory over our flesh, once I have that victory, once I m- have determined a mastery over my flesh, I need to maintain it because i mean just because I have the mastery doesn 't mean that I always will i have to I have to get in there and maintain it. We can think about this just in the natural uh, you know your flesh it might want to go after Twinkies and um, chocolate cakes and all sorts of other, you know, delicious goodies. But your 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 body needs other materials. You know, it needs some guacamole every once in a while or uh, <laughs> something that benefits the, the body more. Something that has healthful benefits. And you may be other think of a time, maybe that time is now, or maybe that time was before, where you were very disciplined over the things that you ate. And you you developed such a supremacy over it that it was no big deal for you to say no to certain foods and yes to others because you understood the benefit of that. But just because you walked in that benefit for a while didn't mean you always would stay there. There's times where that began to be eroded. And there's a number of different ways for that to happen. Sometimes it's just the job that we have. Sometimes we got a job where we're busier now. And so I don't have time to make the meals I have at home. And so now I'm finding myself stopping by the fast food restaurants and picking something up. And I used to hate fast food. Now it's uh, I've, I've kind of tolerated it. Remember the first time that you, you picked that up after having been out for a while? Oh, it tasted awful. But the more and more you went back there just because you were so hungry and you just needed something, it began to taste better. And then pretty soon now you, you almost crave it. Or you can think of a time where maybe you did crave it. Uh, just because you had mastery over it before doesn't mean that you have mastery over it all the time. You have to go back there and and, and maintain that. So again, your, your outline there, I didn't give you the the blanks. You may have figured it out already, but it's in the new wine, in the old cloth, in the new cloth, it's the different natures which are in conflict. So I have to get my nature in conflict Uh, Not to be in conflict with the Spirit of God. When we do that, this changes things. This is how things will begin to change. Now, fasting always seems to involve food, doesn't it? As soon as I think about fasting, it's food. I'm staying away from food. Fasting, though, is not a declaration of war about food. Fasting is anything that your flesh wants. And for the most part, that's food. Because your, your flesh generally, generally likes things that are bad. Things that are not so good. So food is an easy way to, to target this and to go after it. And so that's why we have the, you know, well, we're going to fast for a day or fast for a meal or whatever it might be. And as soon as you decide to do that, your body begins to take over and say, I am hungry. I'm hungry now. I want you to feed me. But what you what you end up doing when you begin to fast is you are identifying the voice of your flesh. Because your spirit is not the one crying out for food. It's your flesh. That's the one who cries out for food. And so I'm able to identify that's the voice of my flesh. When I pray and fast, the voice of my spirit is calling out for things in prayer. It's calling out for things in in study. It's calling out for things in revelation. This is what the the spirit is going after. The flesh is going after food. So when I'm fasting, I am making a real sharp distinction between the voice of the flesh who really, I don't care about anything else right now, feed me. (laughs) And I've isolated that flesh, that voice of that flesh. That's why fasting from food can really be a big benefit. I'm staying away from, from this. And so that voice becomes very narrow focused and very loud. Sometimes the flesh can be very subtle. And I can't even tell that that was my flesh saying that. But when I begin to fast, I'm basically declaring war on my flesh. My flesh says, I'm ready for this. <laughs> it's, it's ready to, to jump right in there. And it, uh, it begins to propel you. And you can maybe think of times when we took on fasting and failed. I'm going to fast all day today, and by lunch, <laughs> we're out there ordering something. But you see, you're, you're determining the voice of the of the flesh. And what fasting will help you do is to isolate the voice of the flesh and isolate the voice of the spirit. And you're going to see the difference in the natures. Ah, I see that nature of the of the flesh. I see that nature of the spirit and I'm able to discern what the spirit is saying more so than the flesh. You see, when the disciples were out there casting that demon spirit out, they went after it, listening to the voice of the spirit. The voice of the spirit said, in the name of Jesus, cast that thing out. And so in the name of Jesus, come out of him. And they went after that. But then this thing started to carry on, flip him around and do all sorts of stuff to him. And it ignited their flesh and their flesh began to speak up because I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want people to be thinking that we can't do something. Uh, back off on this thing. You're not, you're not doing it. And, and they listened to that voice because it was doubting. That voice doubted that the word that God spoke was right. But they didn't pick up that voice was doubting that the word of God was right. They picked up that, oh, I need to back off on this thing because they had not discerned the voice of their flesh from the voice of their spirit as, as sharply as they needed to. No, when, you're, when your flesh says, go out there and rob the bank, flesh, I got you. Yeah, that's easy. But there's some other ones that are just much more subtle. And God says, that's what you have to begin to discern. You've got to get that subtle voice. You've got to take that on. And so we, t- we take on fasting from food for this, but there are other things you can fast as well. Anything that your flesh wants, it might be a TV shows, TV shows. There might be certain activities that your your flesh and I don't mean that they're sinful activities. It's just something that your flesh wants. Some people, video games feed their their flesh. Well, video games certainly don't feed your spirit, but that doesn't mean that they're bad. But they can be. We don't necessarily need to. To have those things dominate our life. But you can, you can fast TV. I'm not gonna watch TV for the next day. Well, you know your flesh is gonna be calling for something. And wanting you to to get over there and see it and you're gonna find yourself bored. I wonder what I'll do. Well, you can turn TV on. Watch something spiritual. Put on the church channel. Uh, let's watch something there. It's, it, it, the flesh can come in that way, and it'll you know put on Gaither. We we found out we could we could find Gaither on the TV, so we've been taping him. We watched uh, they did a special on David Phelps, uh, Phelps last night, and oh yeah, it was fun to watch. And you know you could say if you but if we said we're going to fast this, and then just the the flesh come up and say hey. Let's watch Gaither on TV. (laughs) Well, that's spiritual. That surely can't be my flesh. No, it can be. Because you made a declaration. This is the direction I'm going to go. And your flesh is going to try and pull it because your flesh wants to maintain supremacy. It wants to call the shots. But you want to get to the place where your spirit calls the shots. That's what you need to, you need to do. And there's other, but there's other ways that you can do this. And your flesh will, will rise up. But after a while, your flesh will learn, I better shut up. Because it gets worse for me if I don't. That spirit just keeps beating me up. Now, you need your flesh to be alive. You don't want to kill your flesh. You know, if you go out there and you you fast for 40 days without the spirit of God being involved, you will have victory over your flesh. Your flesh will never give you a problem again. But that's not the kind of victory that you want. <laughs> you want to be alive and have that victory and walk in that victory. So you, you can't get to the point of supremac- have supremacy over your flesh that you beat your body up to where there's there's nothing good about it anymore. You have to uh, you have to overcome those. But but you just don't listen to it. Your flesh may say, uh, "I want pizza," and demand it, and you go out and get it. That's not good. But if you get your flesh to the point that says, hey, um, you have a suggestion? Would it be all right if we had some pizza for dinner tonight? I mean, we haven't had it for an entire month. I'd really like some pizza. Would that be okay? Well, see, that's the flesh that's in, in line. It knows who's in charge. And you say, you know what? Pizza will be good. We'll go out and we'll have pizza. But you see, I'm still maintaining the supremacy over that thing. It's not ruling me. It's not, it's not uh, taking charge. This is one of those things you do. So there's other areas beside food that you can do this, but for most people, food is the first place that you can, you can step on and you can, uh, you can take authority over this to the point that you say, if I'm not, if I say I'm not going to eat today, I'm not going to eat today. Got that flesh? Yes, sir. <laughs> we got it. And see, once I have established that, I can make the determination. I said today's a day of prayer. Got that flesh? Yes, sir. It's a day of prayer. It's not going to try and interfere with that because it knows that if it interferes with that, it's it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for flesh. So it it wants to get in line. Because we we've, we've established who's who's ruling. Now some people they just go way off on the deep end on it and they just become so super spiritual through all this that you can't even you can't talk with them. They're weird. You don't need to get weird to have victory over your flesh. You can have victory over your flesh. So you should fast to get that victory over the flesh. Put it down. Because that if that flesh rules in this way, that flesh will interject doubt. And you think you're walking in the spirit. You think you're walking in faith. And that flesh just is, has a supremacy in your life. And it took over and it put doubt. And you didn't even see it come in. That's where the disciples are running into a problem right now. So, when should I fast? How often should I fast? Well, you can, some people are on a fast, they they fast on a regular basis. I'm going to fast, you know, once a week, once a month, two days out of the month, whatever it might be. And that's fine if you you want to do that. It's, there's not, the Bible doesn't say this is how you do it. You must fast once a week. You must fast once once a month. You must fast when you fast. No no less than twenty four hours. It doesn't do any of those those things. It's going to be up to you. In the Word of God, we know that there's different types of fast. Jesus, Moses, Elijah already talked about their forty day fast, but Daniel fasted from meat because the meat that they had was sacrificed idols, and they he didn't want to eat that. He wasn't against meat. He just fasted that and gave that up. Now, for some of you, your flesh should be screaming. (laughs) Just eat vegetables only. This is not good. But see, that's that's the fast that he got into. That's not the idea that uh, a a fast of just vegetables is the most healthy. He is not telling you that. He's saying the only meat I have access to was meat sacrificed to idols and I wasn't going to do that. So, I stayed away from it. But that was a fast. So you can fast certain types of food. Maybe you say, I'm going to fast all carbohydrates. Dear Lord, have mercy on us. <laughs> <laughs> not me. not me. <laughs> I love carbs. I need pasta in my life. Bread. <laughs> the bread of life. I agree with that statement. <laughs> now, when I walk into a restaurant, and when I know we'll do this again, and um, uh, the restaurant for me is made or broken by what they bring out on the table for me to eat while everything is getting ready. If they bring out good bread, this is a good restaurant. We will come back here. You know, Some places they have the, uh, we're at one place, I think it was Macaroni Grill. And they used to, they may not even be around anymore, but they had a fantastic bread they would bring out. And they would bring it with the oil, you know, and you could put the, the, the spices in it. And you can take the bread and dip it in the oil. And oh man, I could eat an entire loaf before the meal came. And then they were having problems and they switched it. They went to a different bread. And we didn't go back as much. Menu was still the same, but that was gone. You know, you go over to a Chili's and they have uh, five bucks, I think it is, all the chips and salsa you want to eat. And they have a good salsa. This is a good deal. <laughs> This is good. Carbohydrates are a blessing from God. (laughs) (laughs) Besides, if you had the chips and dip, you know you're getting some vegetation in there too. So this is always good. But you can fast all sorts of stuff. You can just say, I'm not going to have meat this week. Now you can't necessarily fast something that you don't like. I can't go out there because you all know I can't go out there and announce to my family I am fasting Brussels sprouts the entire week. There's, there's no declaration of war right there. I can't stand Brussels sprouts. My flesh is saying yeah! <laughs> but, but truthfully nothing changed. I don't eat Brussels sprouts now. I'm not going to eat Brussels sprouts then. They're out of my life. They have been cast out. They have been ekballoed. <laughs> they were physically thrown out of my life. I did not let them passively walk out of my life. I physically threw them out of my life. They are no longer a part of my life. We had a fight. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, I can pick certain things that, uh, and it may be something that I like. You know what? I, I really like this. But I am going to stay away from this uh, for a period of time. Now you can may may pick. I'm not going to have beef. And only pick. I'm going to do this for a day. That's not much. You probably go a whole lot of days without eating beef. You just eat chicken or fish or sausage or something else instead. That's that's not going to be picking a fight with your. your that's not going to stir up your flesh. If you're going to fast something, it's got to be something that stirs up your flesh. You know, no video games, no TV, no. Um, no, no riding the bike. <laughs> something, something along those lines. Something that you consider to, he says, no, no. <laughs> something that's, that's near and dear to you that you're gonna give up and say, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm gonna stay away from that. And I'm gonna declare war. Something that's gonna get my flesh to speak up and say, I want this. It wouldn't work for me. But for some people who enjoy coffee, I don't mean you're addicted to coffee, I just mean you enjoy coffee. It's a nice thing in the morning you just like to have a cup of coffee or sometimes throughout the day you like to have a cup of coffee. If you say, I'm not going to have coffee for a couple of days, that'll that'll take a fight on your on your flesh. If I were to say, I'm not going to have coffee for, for a couple of days, it wouldn't have any effect at all. Because I don't drink it, I don't like it. And so it's, something that you would do to fast is not necessarily something that would affect me and vice versa. We don't necessarily have that same thing going on, but here's the here's what fasting is supposed to do: to get you to tune in to the voice of your spirit over the voice of your flesh. So if you just fast food or whatever else it is, and don't team it up with prayer, with something to get your spirit going, I'm I'm declaring war on the bad voice, but I'm not tuning into the good one. The whole thing about prayer and fasting, and Jesus says this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. He didn't say it comes out by fasting. He says it comes out by prayer and fasting. I have got to do both. So if I am going for a day, two days, a week, fasting something, prayer has got to come in in that equation. Not just the the prayer I did before, somehow I've got to increase the prayer from before as I decrease the eating, or whatever else it is, it has to be made up on this other end, because I want to hyper connect to the spirit and deconnect to the flesh. And so, the way that I can do that is through fasting. And then this will get your 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 self used to whatever voice that you need to hear. And the better at this that you get, then when we face this a crisis like we're facing here right now with all this, this virus stuff, I told, you, I told people back in the beginning, I was not concerned about this virus back in the beginning. And the reason for it is that through fasting and through things like this, I've learned to listen to my spirit and not my flesh. Your flesh can rise up and say, oh, look at what they're saying. People are going to die. People are going to die. I, I mainly put that out. What I want is spirit. What are you telling me to do? My spirit was saying, don't be concerned. So I wasn't concerned. I didn't alter where I went. I didn't care about contact with different people. I didn't think, oh no, I shook hands with somebody. I might get the virus. Oh, what happens if I get? I didn't think about any of that simply because I listened to my spirit. My spirit says it's not a concern. I listened to that. The same thing I told you before with certain physical things that would come upon me. I would listen to my spirit. Is this something I need to do something about? And the spirit of God would say, no. And I, I would just go on. Once in a while, he said, no, go to the hospital, get this taken care of. I told you a couple of stories of that. God said, go to the hospital, have them take this, do this procedure, take this out. So I went to the hospital, did the procedure, took it out and uh, and took care of it. But see, I listened to my spirit. I had to learn I had to develop that. That took some time to, to do. It took time with fasting. It took time to, to develop that supremacy over my flesh. Then it's something that you have to maintain that you have to keep going. Now this stuff with the, the virus, um, I, I don't think I said anything here on Sundays or, or that, but you know, we have private conversations with people. I would tell them, because my background is microbiology. I'm not just a, you know, an average pastor who doesn't know anything about all that stuff. I have, a, have some education in, in that sort of stuff. Somebody put up on Facebook, they said, I missed where all you pastors have the, um, the education on viruses. I was going to raise my hand and so say, I got one. But I didn't bother with it. It's still, it's still something that grabs my interest. I still read stuff on it all the time because I just like that, that aspect of, of science. Um, it's just something that I, that I do. But I saw the numbers in the beginning. I know how to deal with the numbers. I know how to spot fake numbers. I know just, just from dealing with it in the studies, it's real easy to, f- to figure some of this stuff out. And so I knew that the numbers were off in the beginning. I knew that it doesn't work. What they're saying doesn't mesh. And so some of the people I was around, I told them it doesn't work. It doesn't mesh. Now we're here in in May and people are seeing the numbers don't mesh and yet we're still keeping everything tied up. That to me tells me there's another reason why this whole one went about. wasn't the numbers? Because the numbers that they are putting out today for this thing show you we should never have shut down. But we did. And so that's what we're dealing with. But you have to learn how to develop that part of your spirit. Now, you know my fascination with running and, and stuff and, and going out in bad weather. But see, going out in bad weather was part of what I did to gain supremacy over my flesh. Because when it's, and I had some of these up in New York, where, you know, the temperature was below zero. The flat out temperature was below zero. We're, locking, we're talking double digit, uh, double digit below zero. And the wind is in the 30s. 30 mile an hour winds and double digit below temperature. You know what your flesh wants to do? No, Does not want to go outside. Does not want... No. Even my flesh, I love running. My flesh did not want to go outside. I still remember that day. Windchill. Minus 36. I forget the single digit temperature on that. I remember the windchill. Minus 36. I was the only one on the cross-country team who went out that day Mm. in shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not putting the shorts on. We have a bet with my other my other buddy. And went out. And the whole time, I am not enjoying this. This is not fun. I do not want to be here. But you see, it's part of what I did to develop supremacy over the flesh. Flesh, you do not call the shots. I do. And if I tell you you're going outside, you're going outside. And God says, yes, sir. Now, I did days of fasting, teamed up with that to, to help gain me the supremacy over the flesh. And then when I went out to rain, my brother Hagen, he was he would teach us stuff about that. He taught us about fast days. And he said he did a number of fast days. I think uh, when he was pastor of the church, he fasted two days out of the week. That's what he did. But he said the, the Lord spoke to him. He taught us on this when we were there. He says, I would be more pleased with you if you would live a fasted life. And so he gave up on the fast days and he lived a fasted life. Now a fasted life is um, is where you just don't eat all you want to when you sit down to eat. That you go away from the table hungry. And so I picked that up too. I said, you know what? I could see some of the, the sense in that because you're not just taking the flesh on a couple of days a month. You're taking the flesh on every day. And every day you're keeping it down, keeping it under. And so I could see the, the sense in that right away. But I hadn't... At that point, I had not yet yielded all that I felt that I should from the day fasts. So I continued to go after the day fast for a while and kept that in the back of my mind. And then after a while, I brought it out. I said, all right, now it's time to switch over. And so instead of doing day fasts, I was doing fasted life. And so I was not eating all that I would do. i told you the stories. My my family would, would just laugh at me because we would go away on, uh, on vacation. And when I went on vacation, the fasted life was out the window. There's no fasted life on vacation. You go on vacation, you go on vacation, you are going to have fun. And so I went on vacation and they were amazed at how much I would eat. I've never seen you eat this much. And I, I can put food away. I may be thin, but I don't mean I can't eat. My dad was 230 pounds, I think, when I was growing up. I out ate him. Out ate him. My cereal bowl was Jethro's. Remember Jethro from the Beverly Hillbillies? They got that from me. My grandfather would laugh at me. We'd go away on vacation down the shore and uh, I'd pull out the mixing bowl and I'd fill it up with with cereal. That was breakfast. I wasn't living a fasted life then. (laughs) I was going after all the calories that I could. And so I know how to put it away. And I was thinner then. When I went to college, I gained 10 pounds. I went out for cross country and in going out for cross country, Kind of workouts we did, I gained 10 pounds. I went from the 130s to 145 and I stayed at 145 the entire time I was, I was in college. Yeah. Now I'm heavier than that now. I'm about 154. But um, I, I don't run quite as many miles as I, as I did out then. But I learned how to, to walk into the fasted life. And so there's, there, there's many times I just walk away from the table. No, I could, I could eat some more. But when I'm on vacation, that's not the case. We'll eat all that we, I'll eat all I want. And then afterwards we'll have dessert. And so I go out there and have the ice cream and waffles or the, you know, all sorts of stuff. And then after vacation is over, it's back to, <laughs> back to what goes on. But you see, the, the idea is to get a supremacy over your flesh. And here's the reason for it. Talking about impossible tasks. God has impossible tasks for you. He has a role for you that at times is going to seem impossible. Beyond your ability to do. Paul's role seemed beyond his ability to do at times. Jesus' role seemed beyond his ability to do at times. Look at him in the garden. Seemed beyond what he could, what he could do. But you see, they, he, he trained up his, his spirit on the inside of him. So he didn't take orders from his flesh who's saying that's impossible, that's impossible. You can't do that. And you had other people in the Old Testament. Elisha trained up his spirit, didn't see anything as impossible. Elijah, except for one, one uh, time he fell apart, uh, trained up his spirit so that he didn't see things as being impossible. Moses, after 80 years, took a little bit more time after that, but he got himself to where things weren't impossible. Oh, you want me to pull water out of a rock? Let's go. He's all for it. But you see, you're going to have things that are going to seem impossible. And your flesh is going to want to say, you can't do that. And if you have not yet discerned the the voice of your flesh from the voice of your spirit, you're going to hear that and give into it and then just go. You're not going to develop that supremacy. But I've I've told you stories of running, and even though there's the days of minus 36 degrees um, wind chill, they're few and far between. But there's other ones that would come up. And I'm excited to go and do it. I'm excited to go and do it. And I have some of those, and I, I still remember them. Oh, yeah, you remember when there was a foot of snow on the ground, and I got out before all the plows did. And I ran seven miles in one foot deep snow. That's a that's that's a chore, and it cut up my legs terribly, just because you know you're going in and out of the of the of the snow. But I look forward to the hotel. I'm going out this, and because I I learned the joy of beating my flesh. There's a joy in it. There's a joy in beating that thing down, keeping it alive, but you got to beat it down. Yeah, If you do that, you will walk in more victory. And when your flesh tells you, you can't cast that demon spirit out, your spirit rises up and says, in the name of Jesus. When your flesh says, that sickness or disease is going to take you, your spirit rises up and says, it will not. And you realize the war of the natures that goes on on the inside of your body, whereas before it all seemed to be the same. But now you see no way that's the nature of the flesh. I don't want that nature. I want this nature. I don't want to have that conflict of natures because I can't get the victory if I have the conflict of natures. I got to get them together. I got to bring them together. My spirit with the Holy Spirit of God. Those are the two I want together. To get that flesh. It's wrong. They push it out to the side. You're not in this group. You get. You take orders. You don't give them. But there's a lot of Christians who the spirit takes the back seat. The flesh is at the supremacy and the flesh tries to work with God to get things done. And that's why they're having not so much success. That's why they're failing at things. And that's why when they face an impossible task, when they face something, I thought I could do this, but now I'm not. All of a sudden, oh, I can't do this. Oh, man. No, this won't happen. See, when John G. Lake went in with the, the people, I think it was the bubonic plague And when he had ministered to them, he listened to his spirit. What do you want me to do, God? God says, go in there and take care of it. See, if God says, go in there and take care of it, you're fine. If you say, I'm going to go in there and take care of it, and God didn't tell you to go in there and take care of it, that's not so fine. But if God says, if you go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do for that? Should I go in there and help him? God says, yeah. Now see, if I haven't discerned between the voice of my flesh, who might say, yeah, go in there. Let's get some credit from all these people that are around here. You won't die. But see, I'm going in there for credit. I'm going in there because I want people to see what I'm doing. He says, you got your reward. That's not going to be what we want. But see, he heard it in the spirit. Go. And he was so confident in it that, you know, he, he heard the story that he he took the frothy foam at their at the mouth and he said, put it under the microscope and my finger touches it, they'll die. And they put it under a microscope. I think they put it under so however it is they saw it. They, they put it there and they... Died. That's the story I heard of it anyway. I think it came out of his book. But you see, he wasn't afraid of it because the Spirit of God came up and told him, go and do this. Because of that, he knew what he could do with his spirit. He wasn't afraid. You'll take on the impossible task. But if you don't spend time fasting, whether it be with food or something else, something to declare war... On your on your flesh and get your your spirit the supremacy, then you'll always walk at a lesser uh, level than you should. Fasting is not fun. Whatever it is that you give up, it's not fun to give it up. There'll be be a, a desire that you have. I I want to get that. I want to enjoy a nice piece of meat. I I am really hungry today. I want to get out there and to, and to do this. But if you learn to listen to the voice of your spirit, there'll be great benefit for you. Great benefit for you. You listen to it. It's, it's leading you places. It's taking you in a direction. But you gotta you got to hear it. And discern, that's not my flesh talking. That's my spirit. I know the voice of my spirit. That's my spirit telling me what's going on. All right, I can do this. The more you learn to receive from your spirit, the bolder you're going to be in the things of God. You can get to heaven without going through all this, but your life down here will be a whole lot better. And if I over, if I take on some things from my father that seem to be impossible and have success in them, what kind of reward is waiting for me in heaven? I got a better reward on the, on the heaven side. See, God has given you the ability to go out there and to do it. Whether you do or not is up to you. But fasting is one of the ways to, to do this. Now, we're not done with fasting. There's some more things we're going to take a look at in this, in this area to help us out. But even this week, if you don't want to take on, I am not know if I'm ready for a whole day of, of no food. You can fast a meal. You can fast certain types of foods. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to do it longer for it to have the effect. But you can you can go out there and fast certain kinds of foods or certain kinds of activities. Not going to watch TV or stay away from um, whatever it might be that that your flesh enjoys. And just because your flesh enjoys it doesn't mean it's sin. Your flesh enjoys food, but food's not sin. Food is good. We need to have some food. But your your life will be made stronger and you will be made better. But there's more in the Word of God to teach us on this so that we can make sure that we get it done in the right way and get the benefit from it. I mean, nothing worse than going through all that fasting and have no benefit. It hasn't, hasn't affected you positively at all. That's not going to be any good. We want to get the, the full benefit of it. And you may be saying, well, I have certain dietary things that prevent me from being able to do that. That's fine. Go and fast other things. Maybe you can't fast food the way that you would like to, but you can fast other stuff. Find something that, Father God, I'm going to target this. My flesh wants this. And it's not bad, but it's just something that my flesh will crawl out and say it wants wants me to do. So I'm going to to give this up. I'm not going to check Facebook for a week. Or whatever kind of thing it might be that goes on. Just uh, stand up to it. Don't take direction from your flesh. Take direction from your spirit. It will develop you better. Then you're going to find out that even in, uh, in day-to-day life, when your flesh rises up and says, get angry. No, that's my flesh. I don't need to get angry at that. What's my spirit telling me to do? And it'll have a positive effect on all those things. Plus, when you're out there and you face situations... It might be dangerous. You consult your spirit. Spirit, do I need to respond to this? Is this something that's going to be a problem? And the spirit says, no, don't worry about it. You're good. But then you're going to have those times that we've heard stories of, of people. I heard, uh, heard of a pastor who canceled a vacation over in um, Malaysia or a place like that. They had a whole vacation planned for the family. Then they, I believe they couldn't get the money back. It was non-refundable. And in his spirit, he said, don't go. Didn't go. Family was mad at them. But it was while they were home and they didn't go is when the um, tsunami came and hit the, the beach they were going to be on. But they weren't there because he listened to his spirit. You see, you don't get to that place right off the bat. But he he got there. He did some things to develop that. And when the Spirit of God said, don't do this, even though there was opposition, friendly opposition, but even though there was opposition, he listened to it and caused themselves. Maybe they saved their lives, but uh, there's a whole lot worse things that can go on than just just dying. Die and go to heaven. Have you ever watched that uh, movie they did with the the, uh, tsunami? Uh, There's some people who went through some great suffering who did not die. I think death would have been a little bit better, a little bit easier than what some of those uh, folks went through in that. But listen to your spirit. Your spirit's going to help you out on this thing. Father, I thank you for the love that you have for us. I thank you that you have given us a tool in fasting that we can put down the voice of our flesh, which oftentimes we don't even realize is ringing as loud as it is in our ears. We can increase the voice of our spirit and we become more sensitive to it and more responsive. And I thank you, Father, that you're here to help and you're here to help us overcome. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Brother Keith. Glory to God. Pastor, by the way, uh, Candy had a comment, uh, at the beginning when she joined, uh, saying that she was glad you're, sh- that you were talking about fasting, uh, because it's something she wanted to know more about. Amen. And then, uh, Susan Peter also wanted to say, Pastor, we miss you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Now when you're talking about the opposition and the opposition of going to a beach, now I'm not trying to say my wife isn't spiritual, but <laughs> but let her brother tell her, uh, we're not going to the beach. <laughs> That's not going over too well. Baby, God said we can't go to the beach <laughs> this summer. That's a problem. Okay, and the thing is, a lot of time, we are so inundated with hearing stuff and stuff going on that we don't have time to hear it from God. How often are we able to just to be by ourselves without any TV, radio, music, or anything else going on? We need to hear from God. Amen? Amen. Okay, on our uh, praise reports, Got one from Phyllis. I was all over this, okay? Well, no, because she sent it to me via text, and then she wrote one and handed it to me. And I guess I can understand it because the Jacobs are grateful for safe travel and the fellowship with their loved ones, amen? But here's the one. They are grateful, happy praiseful and, and, and should be doing their praise dance right now because Jeremy has completed his course study and has graduated, okay? So that means one more, okay? Amen, hallelujah. Yeah, We are so grateful for what God does in our lives and how he moves in our lives. Through all of this that's going on, We see the greatness of God. We see the opportunity to spend time with our families, to hear from God, just to be separated from it all. You know, it's surprising because I listen to Pastor. I'm not a news person, but I had an opportunity to see a feed of CNN. And they have a constant running tally, okay, of corona worldwide, Death worldwide, country, corona, and death. How can you watch that all day? How? The enemy wants us to be afraid, but God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen? So follow your God, worship your God, pursue your God like never before. Because we need more of him. Amen. Greet each other, love each other, call each other. And make sure people know that they are loved. And show them the love of Christ. Amen. Amen. Have a great day.